look, kids are doing all the homework that you give them on chat GPT and all the other things. How can we change the questions we ask kids so that those technological resources can't do the problems anymore? We can talk about how assessment and instruction can change in the short term and curriculum can change in the long term. Integrated math is stopping and saying, what are the core understandings that all students need in ninth and 10th grade that are very different than this, uh, you know, obsolete sandwich of algebra and geometry? Hello, Montgomery County, and welcome to the OPL podcast with MCIU. My name is Brandon Langer, and I'm the Director of Innovation and Strategic Partnerships at the Montgomery County Intermediate Unit. And this is our conversation with leaders and thinkers and strong educators within the field across K-12 and beyond. And today we are kicking off season five of the OPL podcast with a great conversation and upcoming event from our Office of Organizational and Professional Learning. So I'm once again joined today by a tremendous colleague, Steph Schwab. Steph, thank you for joining us. And want to tell us a little bit more about what we can expect from today's conversation. Sure. Thank you, Brandon. We're excited to have Steve Leinwand and Eric Mailu with us today uh, to talk about specifically high school math and things that we can be thinking about and to share a little bit about what we can expect when they join us in person at MCIU on November 15th. So, uh, Steve, if you would like to introduce yourself quickly and give just a snippet of who you are, and then we'll let Eric go after that as well. Great. So I'm Steve Leinwand. I basically am a, a self-anointed mathematics education change agent. I have been doing teaching and state leadership and research for over 50 years. At this wonderful point in my career and following the pandemic, I've really limited my attention from K-12 to mainly 9-12, from a whole range of issues and a great deal of attention to pedagogy to the issues of detracking. You know, you stop and look back on a career and you say, what's really important and what are the hard places? High school and detracking are hard and controversial, and I'm trying to take them on. Uh, thanks, Brandon, and thanks, Stephanie. Uh, hi there, Steve, and uh, Welcome everyone. My name is Eric Milo. I teach at Rowan University, which many of you probably know is in Southern New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. I'm a Philadelphia native. I actually grew up in Delaware County, not Montgomery County, Harvard High School to be exact. And I've spent my 27 years at Rowan University in Southern New Jersey, uh, researching and doing a lot of different areas of mathematics, but most importantly, it has been high school mathematics. Which I feel, and I think Steve agrees, that for the past 50 years, if not 100 years, mathematics in high school has not changed. And that is a issue. It's a huge issue. It's an issue of so many different areas. And we need to talk about it and we need to do something about it. And that's what Steve and I are up to. Eric, that is a great segue into the first question that I'd like to pose to both of you is what is your number one suggestion for high school teachers on how to prepare students for the mathematics needed to be successful in today's workplace, to be lifelong learners and to be effective citizens? I think that there's so much that needs to be done because it's just such a mess right now. My suggestion is that people just look at content that no longer makes any sense. We are so locked in by preparing kids for obsolete tests or tests that just don't measure anything that people care about. And so I say, 
give kids, teachers, give yourselves a break and pause and look at your homework and your tests and see how much of that can be done mindlessly with Alexa and with Google and with ChatGPT. And what you find is that we spend immense amount of time on how to factor a tiny proportion of trinomial expressions um, and then never really need to do it because um, we have a quadratic formula and we have graphing technology. We are still rationalizing denominators. We're simplifying polynomials. We're simplifying rational and radical expressions that serve no purpose. The important question is what's a rough numerical um, approximation? We're still doing trig identities in 2023. And so the first order business ought to be cleaning up the obsolete aspects and overwhelmingly it's mindless regurgitative skill that has nothing to do with conceptual understanding it has nothing to do with the critical connections and it doesn't get at why are we doing this eric and i both say why don't we start the trigonometry unit in algebra 2 or in pre-calculus with the Ferris wheel and with where the Ferris wheel goes and can you trace where you are on the cart over time and use that as the basis for what is a periodic function as opposed to spending three weeks doing it and if you're lucky we'll squeeze in an application at the end. So, so that's the one place that I think there's a great quick payoff that gives us time to do the things that we really want. So again, look, I think uh, Steve is saying there, it's what I said in the opening, is that we're doing the same thing in high school mathematics for 50, if not 100 years. We talk about the history of high school mathematics a lot in, in chapter one and two of the book. And it, so there's two things here, most importantly. Is one is that Steve nor I want to do away with calculus. or do a, Neither one of us want to do away with algebra two or pre-calculus. Those courses are still there, and they're going to be there to the end of time. But they're for a small percentage of kids, 10 to 20% of kids need that kind of stuff in high school. So the real change we want to make is what is the real mathematics that kids need today in today's world? And the answer is simple. It's one word. It's data. It's big data is the biggest field of growing mathematics of anywhere. Look at your community colleges. I mean, sorry, look at your four-year colleges and how many of them now have big data degrees or the, the buzzword now, data science degrees. We want data science courses to start in high school as alternatives, not as replacement to Algebra 2. We want quantitative reasoning courses in high school, not as replacement of Algebra 2, but as alternatives to Algebra 2. Yes, we're going to continue to have kids move through Algebra Geometry, hopefully in an integrated way, and we can maybe talk about that later, towards pre-calculus and calculus. But we need alternatives, rigorous alternatives, and not calculus is the rigorous path and quantitative reasoning and data science is not the rigorous path we have to talk about that too but we need alternatives better alternatives and more exciting alternatives than factoring quadratic again for 17 weeks so it really argues for the main thesis of the work that we've been doing and that is we need to push back the common curriculum 
Um, we have an integrated K-8 curriculum, integrated in terms of geometry and algebra and number and, and geometry. And all we're saying is that the fact that the world is so mathematized, the fact that there is so much math that's critical, is we think that that integrated system needs to extend through high school in ninth and 10th grade. And, and we posit that a high quality algebra, statistics, and geometry integrated ninth grade, integrated 10th grade course with every kid expected to do it, where we differentiate within the courses and not between courses is the way to go. And that's mainly then followed by the fact that the world then differentiates. We have some kids going to four-year colleges. They're going to be non-STEM majors and some will be STEM majors. We've got kids going into the workforce, into the military. We've got kids going to four-year college, into two-year colleges. We've got a whole range of kids, which means that 11th and 12th grade really needs to differentiate. And at that point, we need to talk about pathways that are all equally meaningful and rigorous, but tied to uh, where kids know they're going to be when they leave high school. Um, and that's where I think people can at least begin thinking about this notion of um, integrated math. It's not this crazy new thing. Integrated math is stopping and saying, what are the core understandings that all students need in ninth and 10th grade that are very different than this, uh, you know, obsolete sandwich of algebra geometry? I just want to add one quick thing there about alternatives to algebra to not replace them again is that there are plenty of free curriculums out there that districts don't have to make something up don't have to go uh, buy something the work coming out of stanford and joe bowler and u-cube organization on data science is completely free and wonderful ucla also has an uh, introduction to data science course completely free at ucla Quantitative reasoning courses are completely free out there. There's one at the Dana Center, uh, the UT Austin. So the materials are out there to make alternatives to algebra to a reality with almost no cost. So this is something that a lot of professional development is needed, uh, a lot of work in high school curriculum revision, but not a whole lot of expensive uh, outlays. And we, we focus on some of these things in giving people time to take a look at these resources during our, our day in Montgomery County. So it's, it's not just us talking the whole time. It's pause and just have a chance to get yourself familiar with those things. So when we talk about these changes, we think about what does it mean for course organization, the mathematical content, the pedagogy, the assessment. There's so many things we think about when we have to make these major changes. You've talked about kind of what the major change should be with the data sciences, but where do I start? What would be the first place that I could really start thinking about? I know you said exploring the resources, but there's so many other things to think about. How, how can I even get started if I really want to make a change like this? I have been arguing of late that we really don't have a very good idea of how good or how bad or how mediocre standard modal high school math instruction is that we we don't have 400 randomly chosen videos that we can analyze and look and see just how boring just how stultifying um most math instruction is how much is still show tell practice test show tell practice test of things that machines can do and so i think that when you ask where can you start where can we get a bang for our buck regardless of what the content is we can start with a pedagogy that is far more 
questioning and discussion, far less lecture, far less the, the reliance on worksheets. Um, we're going to give kids work to do. We don't ever give kids more than four problems, four tasks. You know, I mean, the first one is done uh, as, a, as a class. The second one is done in pairs. The third one is done individually. And then one is a, is a formative assessment. We don't ever ask kids to do 10 things and never give them feedback on what's right and what's wrong. That whole notion of more collaboration within the class, that whole attention to more more problem solving and more engaging math when we take out some of the mindless simple manipulation that that's no longer needed what do we replace it with and again there's so much that's available so i i start with stop and think about how you structure your lessons start thinking about you know in nctm's catalyzing change they have an amazing table about equitable instruction that takes nctm's effective math um, teaching practices and expands them into equitable teaching practices. And, um, you know, no one can do all of them, but, but just starting with classroom visits and collaborative work amongst pairs of teachers and department meetings where we do some videotaping. But the focus is how do we give kids a reason to care, a reason to be engaged is where I think we need to start. When we come to Montgomery County, we're going to talk about changing high school math, and we're going to talk about it in th you know the three areas that are important: curriculum, instruction, and assessment. And so, Steph asked, you know, where do you start? Well, curriculum change, like we've been talking about, alternatives to algebra two is a long process. Three, four, maybe a five-year process to move to curriculum change in your district. Nothing happens overnight in curriculum change. A lot of research goes on, a lot of, a lot of reading, a lot of material downloading, and we'll talk about how to lay out that five-year change cycle. But however, instruction, as Steve is talking about, can change, can, can change quickly. Uh, and we'll talk about how pedagogical change can and should happen, whether it's using Desmos more, whether it's moving a little bit more into the building thinking classrooms that Peter has, uh, Peter's book is about, uh, and assessment change. Gosh, that's something that can happen in short term too. And we'll talk about how assessment really needs to move. Look, kids are doing all the homework that you give them on chat GPT and all the other things. How can we change the questions we ask kids so that those technological resources can't do the problems anymore? And we can do that. And that's not hard. We can talk about how assessment and instruction can change in the short term and curriculum can change in the long term. So I have a question uh, just kind of based on what I'm hearing in, in the conversation, because the most interesting part of this to me is the idea that perhaps we're spinning our wheels on things that no longer have, they don't need the time allocation that we've given them for quite some time. I want to make sure like my, my brain's thinking of this, right? I'm a former music teacher and it feels in hearing you both speak that much of the way we teach math would be kind of like, it would kind of be like making a kid take music theory and master it before they ever pick up an instrument and play. And they never get to experience the reality of that. Or even a, like a, a student who's maybe an athlete, an athlete and maybe interested in sports science or something like that, having to learn anatomy before ever lifting a weight or before ever engaging in that type of curricular program that's just real and, and something they can dig into and then learn through the practice. Is that a fair comparison? It's more than a fair comparison, Brendan. It is absolutely accurate and critical 
understanding and comparison. I'm the father of two artists, making it his artists, uh, a music, a musician, and a, and a visual artist. And I mean, they have followed my career and they marvel at the fact that their whole career have been just let's go play and then let's get better. You start by putting the instrument in your fingers and your mouth, the other one, a brush or a paint or a, or a pen or a pastel and you create art and then you talk about it and then you worry about technique it's no different than if we took all those wonderful eight-year-olds on a field outside of a school in um september and said oh aren't you lucky you're about to do soccer we're going to spend three weeks doing left foot kick foot uh, left foot right foot left foot kick we're then going to learn how to throw the ball in with our hands over our heads when it goes out of bounds that's absurd i mean everybody knows that you learn the skills after you say this is a cool game you know i need to develop my skills and understandings but again in in the case of, of math the skills are so changing because of the technology but the understanding is still as important and as critical as ever yeah, I just, I vividly remember my son actually just asked me this week what my favorite class I ever took was. And I actually answered my, my, in terms of not, I said, other than my music classes, high school calculus. But I, again, to your point, I was the anomaly. I was the one that was just enthralled with what, what math can be and what math is. Um, I, I know most of the class did not share that. It was just the next class they took because we were on, you know, at that time, an accelerated math path and, We'd run out of classes, so everyone took calculus their senior year that was in that group. So we have a cohort of 4 million high school seniors every year. And about a million, a little less than that, take the AP um, calculus test. Um, we basically have an entire high school curriculum designed to prepare kids for a test that well less than a quarter actually um, take. And, and that's just sickness. It's just crazy. And then you wonder why, um, you know, math has such a bad reputation. You wonder why kids say this sucks. You wonder why they really don't learn to be able to uh, deal with the data and the statistics around the pandemic and actually act on it. So that, that's what we're arguing. And that's what we're saying that um, we've just finally got to get out of this rut of preparing kids for a test that has less and less value. Throughout our conversation this morning, you both have been sharing tidbits of what can be expected when you come to Montgomery County on November 15th. Is there anything else you want to share with people of what they can expect that day that they would spend with you? We plan this whole thing out to be as practical as possible, giving people ammunition for why these changes need to happen, giving people ideas and resources for what can be done, and then talking about process and um, and, and talking about how it can be done. Um, people will leave with a, you know, a rough action plan to, to go back and, and implement this stuff because neither of us believe that professional development, they simply come and, oh, good, I went, it was interesting, and then nothing ever happens, serves any purpose. And so we will work very hard to give people the ideas and the tools and the incentives to actually say, you know what, to simply do nothing and maintain the status quo is um, is just unprofessional and unacceptable. So everybody will leave with our book as part of your uh, mission uh, and an implementation plan. You know, we're going to lay out an imp implementation plan, a five year plan for curriculum change and short-term plans for instruction and assessment. 
and then you'll have the book to be able to refer to, bring back to your schools, and hopefully take it into action. Thank you, Eric and Steve, for your time today. We greatly appreciate you sharing your insights with us and look forward to being with you in person on November 15th and learning even more. Great. Steph, Brandon, thank you very much. This was um, this was our pleasure, and we are both looking forward to uh, returning to the Philadelphia area. Well, thank you both once again, and Steph, for putting up this awesome event that's on the schedule for us. We are looking forward to seeing everybody in November uh, to join. And I want to remind everybody, that as we kick off our Season 5, this is the OPL podcast. We do these throughout the year, so if this is the first one you happen to be listening to, we do have all of these stored on our MCIU Learning Network, which is learn.mciu.org. We're also very active across the social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or X, whatever you're calling it these days. Uh, we'd love to see you on there and, and give us a follow at MCIU Learns, or you can also follow at MCIU and the Montgomery County Intermediate Unit. So once again, welcome back to school, everybody. We look forward to this event and we look forward to seeing you on our sites and in our workshops this fall. Thank you. Thank you.